How you guys doing? We good tonight? Yeah, I've always wondered if people were honest when you come up and say, how y'all doing? You really don't want to hear how I'm doing tonight, right? You know, tonight is to me, it, it's, it's just a great chance for me to say something that I've been needing to say to you. Where I sit, there are things that would not happen in this church if it weren't for you. And I've watched you, and I've seen video, and I've seen clips of things that you're doing. And can I just tell you that without the table and without this group, I know most of our volunteers for the Christmas festival, you're the guys, you're serving. I know every Sunday, how many of you guys are serving in kids, how many of you are serving in students? I know the core of missions in terms of groups we're sending and, and people who are hearing God call and ask to go and they're going, they're coming from this group. And I just want you to know as a senior pastor, uh, I see you and I thank God for you and you're doing an amazing job. There's so much we wouldn't be if we didn't have you. So can we give thanks for this group? Just give thanks for yourself, but God knows we are applauding him. Thank you for being willing to serve. Thank you for stepping up. Realize how much you matter. Because sometimes I know we all go through this season of, you know, what, do we really matter? Does anybody know what we're doing? Yeah, we do. But I tell you, more important than I knowing, me knowing, or somebody else, he knows what you're doing. And I just want you to know, thank you. So I'm going to, they wanted, as we talked about this, we wanted something to be, you know, just kind of personal, my story a little bit. Uh, I grew up in the church. My dad was a, was a pastor. But actually, when I was in the womb, before I was born, my dad was an alcoholic and he was a gambling addict in Memphis, Tennessee. And he would get his, yeah, Memphis, who, who's that? <laughs> So Memphis, Tennessee, he would get his paycheck on a Friday. He'd go down to Bill Street, and he would uh, gamble it away or drink it away. And my mom was just at the point of leaving him when one day at work, my dad felt somebody tap him on the shoulder, and he turned around, and there wasn't anybody there. It happened again. And before the day was over, my dad knew it was the Lord that was talking to him. And my dad gave his life to Christ radically transformed him he was from Oxford Mississippi rode a Harley Davidson he would ride from from Oxford up to Memphis to work to, at the International Harvester plant my dad grew up in the home of an atheist my grandfather from Denmark that's why our last name UTH is, is really strange it's it's Danish my grandfather was an atheist now he wasn't an atheist when he came to this country he he was an immigrant in the 20s 1920s he came because he believed, he heard democracy was where you wanted to be. And this country had all the promises of the golden land. They used to call it the golden land. And, and he said he came because he thought that was what he was going to find. My grandfather ended up in Oxford, Mississippi. Now, I don't know how you go from Copenhagen, Denmark to Oxford, Mississippi. But that's where he ended up. And my grandfather began to see racism. He saw the way the black sharecroppers were treated. He saw the way blacks were treated in general. And my grandfather began to be a freedom fighter for them. He housed 
them. My dad grew up oftentimes with black families living in the same home that he was living in. And so my grandfather made a decision. He said, if this is what democracy is like, treating people differently because of the color of their skin, I don't want anything to do with it. So my grandfather registered with the Communist Party. And my grandfather also walked out of a church in Oxford, Mississippi, and said, if this is what Christianity is about, I want nothing to do with it. He declared there is no God. He never worshiped again. He left this world as a communist and as an atheist. Now, my dad grew up with that. So my dad had in him this incredible commitment that when he got saved, he felt the church was for everybody. And so he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever church I pastor or whatever church I'm a part of, it's going to be, everybody's going to be welcome. Well, in the South, during his growing up years, everybody was not welcome in the church. So when my dad had a chance to be a pastor, he started saying, everybody's welcome. They opened the doors. You know, that didn't go over well. When I was in high school, my school had just integrated and it was a major, major school. It was the largest in the state that year. And my dad took a stand, and it cost him. The deacons came to him and said, we want you to stop these blacks from coming. They don't belong here. And my dad said, they belong here as much as you do. This is Jesus' church. It's not yours. It's not mine. And we're not stopping them from coming. And then the KKK showed up, and they came to see my dad. And they sat in his office. He didn't tell me this. I would have been a senior in high school when this happened. He said, I'm not going to do what you want me to. I know who you are and I know why you're here. And they said, well, we would hate for something to happen to one of your kids. When they said that, the old, <laughs> the old dad came out. And he looked at him and he said, guys, I want you to know something. I love to hunt. I'm a hunter. I can shoot a deer at 300 yards and my yard is not near that big if you set foot in my yard I will take you out well the next thing that happened my dad got fired you see my dad knew my best friends were black I played football and I played basketball at Pine Bluff High School and I hung out with my friends but my friends were not welcome at my church so he never told me that until one day when I was in college and I will never forget hearing it and what it did inside of me so for a little while I had nothing to do with the church because why do I want to be a part of a church that treats people differently because of the color of their skin I don't want to be a part of that and so my first year in college was pretty much do whatever I wanted to I love sports I was playing I couldn't play basketball uh, in college because I had an academic scholarship I got a full ride academically it was worth a lot of money it was a private school so the coach told me he said you'd be crazy to turn that down because you'd have to give it up to play and he said if I gave you a scholarship you'd get hurt and you're done football coach told me the same thing so I decided you know what I'm just gonna go to school and have fun but I got in every league I got in everything and I remember one night sitting it was a Wednesday night. We were getting ready for a game. It was, a, it was another club that we were playing that night. It was number one in the city, and we were number two. And the thought went through my mind, what if I get hurt tonight? And my next thought was, I've never been hurt. I'm not going to get hurt. I don't get hurt. 
And that night, the third time down the court, I came down on the guy's foot and I heard everything in my foot go, my ankle. It just exploded. And I hit the floor. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of the way. They're playing. You know, they can't stop the game. And I crawled off and, and got out of bounds. And they got me, came to me. Medical staff looked at it and said, we got to get you to the hospital. They put me uh, in the back of a car and we went to the emergency room. Doctor said, man, you've messed your ankle up. You're going to go to a surgeon, and he'll do surgery tomorrow. He made the appointment in Little Rock, Arkansas. I went to the dorm room, and I'm laying on my bed, and this is what I'm doing. I'm looking at the ceiling, and I'm screaming, God, why did you do that to me? What do you want with me? And all I heard him say that night was, David, I just want to love you. When are you going to quit running from me? And I remember that being the beginning of the change in my life. I became a Christian when I was nine. And I really, I meant it. I, I believed in the Lord Jesus when I was nine. But after what I watched my dad go through, after what I saw in the church, I just, I just didn't want to be a part of that. I really didn't like the church, but I never quit liking Jesus. And I even went through a season to see if there's somebody else out there. You know, I started studying comparative religions. Uh, we had some courses that were offered there. And I started studying Buddhism and Taoism and Hinduism, Islam. And I just never could find anybody like Jesus. And I came back to a place of believing. And so during that season, I had to drop out of school because of the rehab on my ankle. They decided not to do surgery. They said, we're going to try to rehab it. You've torn every ligament you can tear. You didn't break anything, but you tore everything. So they put me in a boot. And I went home, back to the very school, back to the very place where I was not living at all for him. But that's where God changed my life. And so when I came out of that and got recovered, I said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. What do you want me to do? I signed up for missions. I didn't know where I was going. I was hoping I was going to some place really cool. They sent me 30 miles from my home to a, a, a children's home. And they said they need an activities director. They got a boxing program, a basketball program. They got a pool. You got to be a lifeguard. You, you got to do all this. Horses, they have horses. You got to take, they knew I'd been, a, worked for a vet for a long time and knew a little bit about horses. You got to take care of horses. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I never will forget one of the kids coming up to me and saying, why are you doing this? You could be doing a lot of other things. Instead, they, you're here with us. And I fell in love with what I began to see in people and then how God was working in their life. And I just, I mean, it was one of the coolest times of my life in that, in that children's home. And when that was over, I said, God, I'll do, now what's next? I, where do I go? What do I do? And God opened the door for me to go to a little church just to fill in. I went in, I went, filled in. And they said, hey, would you come back? And I said, sure. And I came back, and then they said, hey, would you come back and let us vote? <laughs> I didn't even know what they were voting on. I said, what are you voting on? They said, you. And I said, no, you don't want me. There's no way you want me as your pastor. And they said, we want to vote on you. I went back. They voted. Said, we'd like for you to be our pastor. What I didn't know is 21 people there. That was it. What I didn't know is that there were... 11 of them that hated the other 10. It was a mess. <laughs> Two families. I mean, it was a disaster. But you know what? I was just glad to be their pastor, and I loved them. I did everything I could. 
I was there six weeks. And the deacon looked at me and said, one of us is leaving. And I said, wait, one of us. I was in his house. One of us, what do you mean? Because he'd been there 60 years. You talking about me? And he said, yes. I said, why? He said, because you don't love us. I said, sure I do. He said, no, son, all you've done is talk about what we're going to do and how we're going to do this and that. Do you even know who we are? Do you know our families? Do you know the struggles that are going on with us? And I said, no, I don't. But I would love to. Will you give me another chance? And so I asked this guy if he would, if I could work for him. He was a builder. He was a contractor. I said, can I work for you? He said, are you willing to work? I said, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. He said, all right, I'll hire you. He hired me, put me on the roofing crew. So for the next three years, I built houses with that man and learned how to love people. What happened to me in that little church is really pretty much who I am tonight. Between the moment I, I, I crashed and hit the floor and was mad at God for what he had done to a man looking me in the eye saying, you don't love us. I learned so much about the love of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So when I'm sitting here tonight looking at you, I have those words going through my head. Do you know us? Do you see us? Do you really love us? And I can tell you that I just really figured it out along the way how Jesus loved the world. You know how he did it? One at a time. One at a time. In a crowd, a woman came to him, touched the hem of his garment. He turned around and said, who touched me? What did the disciples say? Man, we don't know who touched you. There's a whole bunch of people. He said, somebody touched me. And I remember when I read that story, and I began to think about that story, I said, Lord, I don't want to be like the disciples where all I see is a crowd. I want to be like you, where you see a woman who came to you in shame. I want to see people. And so for me to sit here and hang out with you and do a Q&A with you, look, that's just my lane. I love that kind of ministry. I could stand here and preach to you for 30 minutes and give you a sermon, but I really don't think a sermon is really what you came to hear. You wanted to hear from somebody that God has done something in their life and God is still doing something in their life. And that's what I want to say to you. That's how my life started. And yes, Thomas is right. First time I ever preached, I had my pants unzipped the whole time. And I didn't have a shirt tail out. I mean, I had it in and I was doing this with my hands. And I'm walking around and when I'd look at people, they wouldn't look at me. They'd look down or look up or something. And the only way I figured it out, at the end, after everything was done, I walked off the stage and the pastor came up and he was so nice. This happened in a little town called Ball Knob, Arkansas. He said, Pastor David, or David, not Pastor, I had never pastored anything. David, we want you to stand up here. We want all our people to get to come by and thank you. I said, okay. And my friend was sitting with me and he looked at me. He said, before you go up there, zip your pants up. And I said, my pants are unzipped? He goes, yeah. I said, you're lying. He goes, look. And when that preacher had us bow our heads for the final prayer, I looked down and it, it was wide open. As I say, I shared more than my heart that night. I, it was not good. 
And so I, I'm standing up there. I got to figure out how to get this fixed. And I just spun around and zipped him up as I turned. And so now people ask me, what's the last thing you do before you walk up on the platform? Check my fly. That's the last thing I do. <laughs> Jesus, speak through me and make sure everything's okay. And you know what? I got mad at God that night. I said, Lord, you knew my pants were unzipped. You know everything. How come you let me go up there? And you know what the Lord told me? To remind me you need me. Don't ever think you can do it without me. And I've had many moments. My first funeral, you know about my first funeral? It was in that little church. <laughs> the lady, her name, Miss Wall. I don't even know her first name. Never knew her first name. Miss Wall. Her husband was Jesse. Jesse's in a casket right here. The casket is opened. And this is my first funeral, and I'm trying to be so encouraging to her. And I looked at her. What I meant to say was, Miss Wall, we're here to help you bear your burden of grief. What I said, Miss Wall, we're here to help you bury your burden. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, He wasn't a burden. I said, I didn't mean him. That's my first funeral. So I'm telling you guys, it started rough. And the Lord told me again, you know what? You need me. You really need me. Here's what I want to say to you tonight. I do need him. And I hope there'll never come a day when I think I'm good at what I do. I hope there'll never come a day that when I think I got this. No. If it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here with you. I know where it came from. I know who came into my life one day, who changed my life. I remember a night when in school, I mean in high school, a senior so messed up and so angry with God, my girlfriend sitting there with me and whoever was speaking, they were doing a great job because she starts crying and I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Now, you would think I had enough decency to look at her and say, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Now, you know what I told her? Stop crying. She said, but David, I don't know if I'm a Christian. He said, if you're not a Christian and you die, you're going to hell. I looked at her and I said, you embarrass me in front of my church? We'll never talk again. And finally, she just got so out of control. I said, Let's go. Now, I tell you that not because I'm proud of it, but to tell you that I have come from a place where I know God changed my life. And God is the only one. So I just want to say, whoever you are, however messed up you are, it's okay. You're in a great place because the sooner you know you need him, the better it's going to be for you. God begins to change you. And then once you follow Christ, don't ever feel like you got it figured out. The passage I want to read, it's just my life verse, okay? This is the verse I, I, I live with. And it's got a word in there. It's my favorite word in the Greek. It's the word dioko, spelled D-I-O-K-O. It just means press on. So if you got a Bible, go to Philippians chapter three. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, just listen up. Go to your phone. Get it wherever you can. I just want to show you my life verse and tell you why 
It means so much. I'm in chapter 3, Philippians. I want you to look at verse 12, and I'll read 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained it, or I'm already perfect, but I press on, that's the word, dioko, to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I strain toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The reason I love that verse is Paul wrote this from prison. Philippians is near the end of his life, okay? It's not early, it's late. And here's a man who's in prison. I've been in this prison cell where, he, where I think he was when he wrote it. He's saying, I'm going to press on no matter what. I'm going to press on no matter what. The word is dioko, D-I-O-K-O. I told the team a minute ago, my first tattoo is going to be that word. Now, I don't know when I'm going to get it. I don't know where I'm going to get it. I don't mean what shop. I mean where I'm going to get it. I just love that word, and I want to remember that word, dioko. What does it mean? Press on. You had a bad day? Press on. You've made some mistakes along the way? Press on. You had a really good day? Press on. He says, this one thing I do, and it's funny, he says one thing, he names two things. Forgetting what's behind, straining toward what's ahead. I mean, it's as simple as it gets. So let's start. If we're going to press on, forget what's behind. Now, I know you're probably thinking he's, he's talking about bad stuff. I got a lot of bad stuff I need to forget. By the way, you really can't forget bad stuff. I don't think you can forget good stuff. The word forget in Greek does not mean what we think it means. You can't erase the memories of pain in your life. Some of you have gone through the most horrible things, and some of you have unfortunately gone through abuse, whether it be sexual, emotional, physical. I mean, you've been bullied on social media. You've just had all kinds of things happen. You can't forget that stuff. But I tell you what you can do. You can do what he says. Move on. I want to show you what it means. To press on, to forget what is behind, means to set it aside. Just set it aside. It happened. Now move on. Don't deny it. Don't try to pretend it didn't. No, it happened. And guess what? The one writing this, what he used to do for a living? Killed Christians. He was personally responsible for their death. You know when he's talking about it, he had a lot to put behind him. Put it behind you. And then for some of us, it's not the bad stuff. It's good stuff. How we used to walk with the Lord. When we were in high school, man, we lived the faith. We shared Christ. We read our Bible every day. We always want to talk about what we used to be and how good we used to be. The older I get, the better I was in high school at football, basketball. By the time I die, I'll be All-American back then. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. It's just how it happens, right? Why do you have to point back if you want to show what God's doing? Can he be doing something today? Forget what's behind. Thank God for it, but it's another day. You know the most important? I don't know if you live in a, an apartment. I don't know if you live in a house or you're renting from somebody. I, I don't know your, your living situation. But can I, 
Can I tell you what the most important piece of furniture in your house is or your apartment? It's not the refrigerator. It's not the TV. It's not the couch. It's not the bed. You know what it is? Bring me that over there, Thomas. I'm going to show you the most important piece of furniture in your apartment. Right here. A trash can. Y'all ever seen hoarders? You know what a hoarder is? It's horrible. I've been in a couple of homes that, of people who were hoarders. It's sick. I mean, it's a sickness. It's, it's heartbreaking. They can't throw anything away. So what do you do? You have to walk in their home. And this lady, I had to just walk down this little path. And on either side, y'all know those little plastic, like when you're out eating and you say, can I have some, something to put it in to go? That styrofoam thing, she had them piled to the ceiling. It was just sad. Your life looks like that when you can't let something go. Just let it go. You say, but it was horrible what happened. Let it go. It's why Jesus died. It's why he took your sin to the cross. I know I, this may sound weird, but there are moments right before I get up to speak. I have a flashback of something I did with a girl when I was in high school or college. I'm like, gosh, why am I thinking about that? And it's always the enemy to try to say, you remember what you used to be? You remember what you did? You're going to have to live with that. Paul said, forget it. Just get it, throw it away, put it aside, or something good. And what's the other? Strain toward what's ahead. It's a picture of a runner who's running and breaks that finish line. You've seen that stretch? It's a cool thing. That's what the word means. And by the way, it's a word that he only uses one time and he uses it right here. It's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's like he made this word for that particular moment. Run like you are passionate. So for me, the reason Dioko means so much is because I got to learn to let go. And I got to learn to run with passion. I got to learn to get up every day and think, man, this is going to be the greatest day. Don't ever lose the passion. Never lose the wonder, the mystery, the hope of the calling. And so with our time tonight, I, I, I want to transition us into just being able to ask some questions and maybe something I said or part of the story has created another question. You've got a way to turn those questions in. But before we do that, I want us to do something. I want, I want you to bow with me. I don't need to show you what a trash can looks like, you know. But I do want to ask you what needs to go in this trash can from your life. What's something tonight that's in the way of you pursuing Jesus with passion? Is it, is it something good? You're kind of living in the, the glory of that, what you used to be? Or is it something bad? The enemy won't let you forget. Either way, it belongs in the trash. I just want you to, before God, say, God, I'm putting it in the trash. I'm, I'm, I can't forget it because it'll come to mind, but I'm going to put it in the trash can. It's not going to be a part of my life. Can we just do that? What is it that goes in the trash can? Father, thank you for your word thank you for the calling on our life thank you for the way you love us and every day is a new day I just want to be like Paul I, I, I want to 
I want to live every day with a the, with the passion that there's more, that I'm not there yet. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace makes it possible because your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you for the hope of better days. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we don't have to live in the past. We can strain toward what is ahead. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's transition into some questions, all right? We don't need the trash can unless the all question's right. bad, and then it goes in here, right? Okay, we'll leave it right there. Yeah, all right, yeah. okay. Thomas, come on, man. Yeah. Let's talk. Hey, so first, let me acknowledge, unfortunately, yes, we had the wrong QR code up here. Y'all take yeah. a minute, do a little scan. Um, uh -oh. We got it correct this time, but luckily we did have some time to get some more questions in while we were waiting. So, Where was the other QR code sending people? Uh, some sort of groups form, I think. Oh, yeah. nice. So really it was our ploy to just get y'all into groups, right? But um, yeah, y'all go ahead, send some questions Come on, in. I know we got questions. Yes. And Thomas is kind of here to interpret the question. <laughs> if yeah. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about, he helps me understand, okay? I don't pretend to be up to date on all the Gen Z slang. Yeah. I can get the millennial slang, but... Um, All right. Well, hey, you don't so, even want to talk about my generation. Let's see. <laughs> so, Pastor David, you mentioned within this um, things that we want to press on through. Sometimes there's these bad things that mm -hmm. we go through. And we had a question on here that I'm curious about. You had a, um, a medical scare happen in yeah. the last couple of years, right? 2020. And one of our people asked first, just, are you recovered from that? How are you yeah. dealing with that? But also... How did you kind of wrestle with God through that? Did you yeah. have to wrestle with God? Like, how did you press on in that? That's a great question. Whoever asked, thank you. Um, yeah, basically what happened, I, you know, I thought I was fine. COVID had hit. We were shut down here, but we were doing broadcasts from the room. And I was up standing in front of the camera on Mother's Day 2020 and uh, felt fine. Next morning, got up, got on my bike. I like to ride, it's a, it's a hybrid bike, it's not just a road bike or a mountain bike, but it's kind of the hybrid. And I was riding along by Bay Hill over on the west side of town, over by uh, the golf course, and I, I started feeling weak, I was going up this little hill, and I thought, man, I feel, but I thought my blood sugar was dropped, you know, I dropped, I didn't eat maybe that morning or something. And next thing I know, I just hit the ground, I just hit the concrete, crashed. And when I hit it, I mean, it was hard. Uh, I, it woke me up, and so when I sat up, and bikes crashed, man, everything on the left side was moving over here, and it was like, oh gosh, I broke ribs, and I could literally feel this rib cage moving when it wasn't supposed to move, and I thought, oh gosh, I got to go to the hospital. I don't know what this this is about. So I called my wife, said, hey, I'm wrecked, but I'm okay. And can you bring the truck? We'll throw the bike in the truck. And, and so I, when she got there, I picked the bike up. And as I was picking it up, put it in there, I could just feel something wasn't right. And went to the emergency room. And I said, hey, I think I broke some ribs. I've crashed a bike. Well, how come you crashed? Well, I don't know. I passed out. But how come you passed out? I don't know. Have you ever passed out? No, I've never passed out. Well, we're going to find out why you passed out. I said, my ribs are killing me. Can you help me? And they said, we're not worried about your ribs. <laughs> And so they started running tests, yeah. and Thomas, they found, yeah. a, this is one 30-second conversation. Uh, David, you have a, an aorta valve that's probably mm. what they call a bicuspid, has two flaps instead of three. Mm. Your, your valve is supposed to look like a Mercedes symbol, 
okay? Well, I had Chevrolet or Ford or something. I didn't have a Mercedes. And then I had, my aorta had enlarged. I had an aneurysm at the heart, which is not good at all. And they said, and by the way, we found a brain tumor also. So that was in a 30-second conversation. My life changed. Yeah. At that moment, though, Thomas, honestly, I didn't think, God, why did you do this? Hmm. I really, it was the weirdest thing. I just thought, well, let's get it fixed. Hmm. And they said, well, we're going to put you in an ambulance because you're not really stable right now. And they meant physically, not otherwise. And they said, um, you, because your heart, I mean, we're really worried. We need to get you downtown quick. And you're going to go real fast. Is that okay? And I said, I've always wanted to go fast on I-4. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and sure enough, they put me in that ambulance. Here we go. And I had the most amazing surgeon uh, who is still a very close personal friend to my wife and I. Uh, she did the heart surgery and it went great. And then, um, by the way, I have pictures of my heart. She took pictures while she was, had me all open. It's really cool. You know I mean? I'll put it up. You don't want to send uh, and then, uh, then three months, four months later, after testing, they determined the brain tumor was not malignant, and it was called a meningioma, and I had my brain operate on, and they said, the doctor said, do you mind if, if I keep you awake? Hmm. I said, I'm going to be awake during brain surgery on me? He said, yeah. I said, that's cool. Let's do that. <laughs> and so sure enough, I was awake because they needed me talking. Uh, he said, I know what you do for a living, and I don't want to affect what you do every weekend. So I got to make sure you're talking okay while I'm doing the surgery. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I had the surgery and two surgeries in 2020 that are life-changing kind of things. But right. hey, it's great. I get MRIs every year hmm. on my brain and the report is nothing's there. I knew that. That's awesome. That's awesome. People thought <laughs> nothing was there. Now we know nothing's there. And then the heart, I get checked every now and then. It's great. It's doing yeah. wonderfully. So thank you for asking and thank you for prayers. I yeah. really never had a, an uneasy with God, uneasiness. I had the most incredible sense of his presence in the room before I went into heart surgery. My wife was standing there. It was real early in the morning. She laid my phone on my chest. And I have a playlist, that, uh, a worship playlist. And I, we were just listening to worship music, and man, it was neat. I could feel him. He was right there, hmm. and it was the most wonderful feeling. Wow. Good question. Yeah, so would you say sometimes those, those moments where everything is out of your control, like you, the only thing you can do is trust in that presence, That's it. Right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's, you can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So rather than both of you worried about it, just let him worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> just wow. trust him. And I, man, I, I, I would lay there and just think, God, I'm yours. If, if I go home to see you, that's awesome. I'll get to see my mom and dad. And, but if not, I'll come back, get to be with my family. And it was during COVID, so nobody could come see me. Hmm. Lonely. Yeah, yeah. It was really lonely. My wife would come for a little while during the day, and then she couldn't, she couldn't yeah. stay long because of COVID. Yeah. Well, I don't know if cool is the word that I would use for having, being awake while brain surgery is going on, but it was cool. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. The um. only thing that bothered me, I know some of you are going to freak out on it. The only thing that really was the saw, when he put the saw right here and started sawing, it was loud and I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Man, that Neither saw, were they, yeah. it's like a skill saw, man. It was just... Well, so this other question we have here, um, sometimes these, these big life events that might happen, 
they might make us feel a little stuck in our faith, right? They might oh, be yeah. something that people have a hard time pressing through. So how would you, uh, what advice would you say to move forward when people feel stuck in their relationship with God? Right here. I, I can't overstate it. I think spending time, I'm reading through the New Testament again with a friend. He, he said, hey man, would you read with me through the New Testament? I said, absolutely I would. I mean, I've read through it a bunch. The more I spend time here, the more peace I the better I feel. The less I spend time here, it's crazy. Guys, right now, the world is in a crazy place. We got stuff happening in the Middle East. Some believe it's the beginning of the end. Can I just tell you, I really wouldn't be worried about the end of time. I'd be worried about the day. Hmm. Are you living today for him? At the end, God's going to take care of that by himself. But today is a day he gave you. What are you doing with it? And so I just find every day spending a little time here in this book, it helps me to, to move forward because are there going to be days you don't feel him, you don't sense him? Yeah, but that's your feelings. You can't trust your feelings. I mean, there are days I don't even feel saved. I don't feel like, what am I doing here? But then I know, wait a minute, I know the truth and I know this book is true no matter what my emotions say. I mean, some of you, you ever been in a relationship where you were constantly evaluating your feelings? Oh, please spare me. Those drive me nuts. I mean, I've, I, my wife and I have been married a long time. We, we're over that. But I know guys that I'm friends with, they're always wanting to talk about our relationship. I said, no, we're not talking. If I got to do that, I don't need this. I mean, that's just the way it is. I ain't got that much time to be talking to somebody about how we're feeling. No. I want something I can trust. I want something I know. And I may not understand it. I may read it and not get anything out of it. But tomorrow, I may read it and go, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That changed my life. So yeah. keep reading. Keep spending time with him there. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, kind of related to that, um, this first question up here says, how do you hear God's voice? How do you know how to differentiate it from, from other, other things? From other voices, yeah. Um, well, one is here. Yeah. God's never going to speak contrary to this so I, I've got to first think through okay is this match up line up with this the second thing I have to always ask the question what I'm hearing is it about me or is it about him in other words like for example I don't know if you're in a relationship or maybe you're thinking about whether the relationship is right or you need to be in it what I want you to ask yourself is when you're in that relationship, is it moving you closer to him? If it's not, I can tell you, it's not right. If it feels good in the relationship and it's like, oh, it's great, I really love it. Okay, well, that's good, but is it moving you close? Do you feel like it helps you in your walk? With No, it doesn't help me with that. Well, then it's wrong. I ask the question, is this for me or is it for him? Because there are a lot of things I would choose to do because it, oh, that feels good. I like that. But it's not what God wants. I spent a lot of my days doing what felt good and what I felt uh, I wanted to do. And I just realized one day, you know what? That's yeah. not how to make decisions. That's not how to hear the voice of God. Yeah. I want to know, God, is this, show me. Does this line up with what you said? Does this honor you? Yeah. So I, for me, that's just kind of how I, and friends sometimes can be great. They can help yeah. you understand. Community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all, it makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. 
so I think looking at our time here, we've got about time for maybe one more question. All right. Um, I see this one kind of highlighted here that I think is really related. What's that to first? I like that about. first one. You want the first one? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you would ever, or that you've ever been given? Don't overreact. I'm, yeah. I'm a seven. How many sevens in the room? Enneagram seven. Raise your, I know, I know there's some of, we're terrible. I overreact. <laughs> I mean, it's, everything is traumatic. Everything is the end of the world. Um, they're also the only ones that would actually raise their hand. I know, that's exactly them. right. <laughs> we get together and have our party after this is over. Um, I, I really, I just, I think overreacting. Stay calm. Trust him. Just, it's okay. In fact, the way I would say it, Thomas, it, <laughs> this sounds terrible. Lower your expectations. You know why we get so disappointed sometimes in a day or in a date or in something, is we went in with these incredible expectations. Because we saw a movie. And it happened that way in the movie. And it didn't happen that way for us. Lower your expectations. Be thankful for the little things. And just don't overreact. That, to me, yeah. life would be a lot better. Yeah, that's good. We yeah. should have had you for the Green Flags dating series. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I can come back anytime. Yeah. You yeah. Know. <laughs> How about, how about one more question? Why don't yeah. we get to this highlighted one here? Because okay. I think it's, it's really relatable to what you were talking about. So uh -huh. how can we practically put our past in the trash and press on in our day-to-day -day life when we feel shame, right? When we That's have it. some of these things going on in our lives yeah. that we're ashamed about. The first thing that I would say to that, it's a great question, by the way, whoever asked it. The first thing you need to do, make sure you know where shame came from. It did not come from your heavenly father. That when we think it's from our Heavenly Father, we're like, oh gosh, I'm supposed to feel guilty. I'm supposed to feel this way. No, you're not. If you go back to the beginning, where did shame enter the picture? It entered the picture when Adam and Eve sinned, right? Okay. But the shame they felt was not from their Heavenly Father. Remember what he asked them? He said, Hi, who told you you were naked? It's almost like, I don't want you to feel that shame. But the enemy wants you to feel it. So number one, no, shame is not from him. Okay? Conviction is. But conviction drives you to do something about it, something positive. Shame pushes you further down. Shame just makes you feel more, more uh, horrible about whatever it is. So I think the first thing is that. The second thing is I think it's a battle of our mind. What do you think about the most? What is it you're fixated on? What, what's, what's going on in your mind? And if your mind is constantly replaying what they said or replaying what happened, it's hard to get out of that. Hmm. Or if you're constantly, you walk in a room and you're going, I wonder what they're thinking about me. Hey, here's a clue. They're not thinking about you at all. You are the one thinking about you. You're the one letting that shame, I mean, just cover you up. So just get your mind on something else. And the way you do it is you get something good in your head, which is here. Think about the things. Paul said in, in Philippians 4, think on these things, whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's pure. Think on those things. You know what I've been told? Well, you know, if something like shame happened, just don't think about it. <laughs> Let me show you how that works. For the next five seconds, you ready? Next five seconds, don't think of a purple cow. 
Now, how many of you, all you see is a purple cow? You just, <laughs> yeah, because you're telling yourself not to think about it. That's how far you get when you just say, I'm just not going to think about it. No, no, no. You have to change what you're thinking about. So look at something else. Get something else. That's why, Thomas, yeah. I like the way you guys serve in different places in the church and ministry. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the healthiest things because you know what? It, yeah. get, it means your mind's on something else. Yeah. It's not on yeah. you. You're on somebody, thinking of somebody else, helping them, or you're going to, to be a part of a ministry. That's so healthy because you're not just sitting thinking about the shame or whatever it is that's going on. Yeah, yeah, and if I can add, sometimes that shame makes us feel like we aren't worthy to go be in those places and serve in those places and show up to places like mm -hmm. this. And that's exactly what you said, the enemy trying to trick you and make you feel like you that's don't belong right. here, you're not worthy of being here, and that's absolutely not true. That's right. Yeah. And Jesus' death is the proof of that. Yeah. He died so you could be where you are tonight. And we give thanks for that. Yeah. This hey, well, is awesome. Y'all yeah. are great. Thanks so much for I being love here. It. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And by the way, I won't maybe know your name or whatever, but I just love it when I see you all over serving, doing things, got the t-shirts on from kids ministry or whatever. Thank you for being servants. This church would miss a whole lot if you weren't here. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks for Bless being you, here. Man. Thank you so much.